Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Friday afternoon or whenever you're listening to this podcast. It is, as you can guess it, in the title, episode number 300. Kind of shocking, uh, to be quite honest, that we're here at number 300. Uh, It's been really fun to be able to do this for so long and to finally approach 300. So if you have been here from the very beginning, just checked in, even listened to a few minutes of, of a pod, it's greatly appreciated that you've been a part of this journey to the thir- 300th episode. And uh, hopefully you'll stick around and be a part of the journey as we go through the 300s, whether it's on the audio version of the pod or maybe you prefer the YouTube version that we've kind of gotten up to here lately with 573 Podcasts. You can check that out as I will have more clips from future shows down the road. Uh, Be sure to go check the channel out, subscribe, and do all the YouTube stuff, like, upvote, comment share with your friends, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, episode number 300. It's crazy to think about it. it. It's crazy to even say it out loud. But uh, here we are, and we are doing episode number 300 with our football previews continuing and heading back to college. And I made the joke in the last pod, it's funny that this milestone episode is going to be dedicated to what might be the last year of the Pac-12 conference. <laughs> I don't know if it's fitting. I don't know if there's a word for it. I I don't know. But um, it, it's very funny that this episode is going to be dedicated to the Pac-12, who, when we when this was scheduled, uh, didn't think the Pac-12 would end up being a, a dying conference at, uh, <laughs> at, at the time of this recording. But uh, here we are. Uh, a few weeks later and the conference has all but uh pretty much is dead has four teams left stanford cal washington state and oregon state as uh, everybody else has left to either join the big 10 or the big 12 and now those four teams are looking for potentially new homes um so it's kind of crazy that we're talking about the pac-12 dying and you know again i wouldn't have thought the pac-12 would have been the conference that would be the one to go if any you know there was that time where we thought big 12 was going to be the one but it is the pac-12 and so while it's still around we are going to be talking about the pac-12 and talk about some of the teams here in this conference and let me tell you what, there's a lot to be excited about if this is the final year of the Pac-12. There's a lot of returning experience coming back. A lot of good quarterbacks are coming back this year with guys that could potentially put up big-time gaudy numbers in Washington, USC. I mean, it. there's a lot of teams that boast really good quarterbacks in this conference from last year. Her total QBR for the top eight returning quarterbacks play in this conference. So that just goes to show you how big this conference could be this year with all the big-time quarterbacks coming back to play this year. 
You had you had six Pac-12 teams last year that won at least nine games, where it, where you had a conference also that had first-year coaches, whether it's Lincoln Riley at USC or Washington's Kalen DeBoer, who obliterated expectations. It was a pretty good year for the Pac-12 last year with uh, a, at least with over, about half or over half this conference winning at least nine games. And you got a lot of teams that are coming back this year fully loaded, ready to go, not just a quarterback, but a lot of other positions, whether it's through the transfer portal or through returning players, USC, Oregon, Washington. Uh, you got a two-time defending champ in Utah, all entering the season as contenders. And we'll talk all about those four teams. UCLA and Oregon State are probably not that far off as well. And also Colorado with the hire of primetime, Deion Sanders as the head coach there. Um, a lot of stuff has happened in the Pac-12 besides that, uh, besides the teams leaving. So we'll talk a little about primetime and what to kind of expect at Colorado. But we are going to be uh, talking a lot about these teams that were mentioned as being contenders for this season. There's a lot of them. This is a pretty much a top heavy conference uh, i think if that's accurate because if you look at it you got teams like stanford who stanford has really fallen off and they've hired a new coach in troy taylor i don't know if he has anything to work with it's been a rough few years for stanford so they could find themselves as a team that finishes towards the bottom of the conference unless something changes there you have cal where justin wilcox is trying to change the narrative over there with them again, them and Sanford being the lone two schools left. You have Arizona State, which, you know, it with it being number 300, it's sad to say farewell to Herm Edwards, the Herm Edwards era. That was a, a long-time mainstay on this podcast for pretty much since the very beginning, it seems like. So now that era is over, you know, sad to see Herm go. The meme will forever live on, but uh, Kenny Dillingham, who is the offensive coordinator there, he takes over the, the head job there at Arizona State. He's brought in a lot of new transfers as well to help out over there. And uh, what is he going to be able to do? Then you got a team like Arizona, which was a kind of a surprise team, particularly on how well they were on offense. You had Jed, Jed Fish, who... I hope I got the name right, uh, who is a young coach. has been there for a couple years now, but they were really good last year on offense. You had Jaden Deloria, a quarterback that threw for over 3,000 yards. You had two different receivers that topped 1,000 yards, had 30 points in eight games. And they got a lot of that coming back with Jacob Cowing and Tataria McKillen coming back as the skill players. It's just a matter of if the defense can get its act together. And honestly, that's a lot of the, the – there's a lot of similarities of that in this conference where the offense you're not worried about. It's the defense. Can it get its act together? Because there's a lot of teams in this conference that can score points. Uh, and, and it's a lot of those top teams. And I think it's just a matter of whoever has the best defense in this conference could really set themselves up to be the winner of this conference at year's end. 
So Arizona kind of fits that same mold. Maybe they have another good year this year and figure out that defense. Then you got somebody like Washington State who they've gone through a lot of changes there. You got Cameron Ward coming back at quarterback. Got a couple transfers coming in. So you hope that Cameron Ward last year builds off a season in which he threw for over 3,000 yards and 23 touchdowns and hope that he gets adjusted in his second year in the FBS because he was at an FCS school in Eastern Washington prior to joining the Cougars. So you hope that he's able to adjust in year number two of this of this conference, of this team, and getting his stuff going on. And then you have Oregon State. And we'll spend a little bit of time with them before we head on to some of the other teams that are more notable teams that are going to be presumably at the top of this conference. And let's go and talk about Oregon State here uh, for a few moments. Because Oregon State had a really good season under Jonathan Smith last year with a 10-win season last year, first time in 16 years since the Beavers have been able to do that <laughs> since, man, since uh the mid-2000s. You know, it doesn't seem that far off, but, man, it, it kind of – it doesn't seem far off, but it, it, it is. <laughs> and so 16 years, their offense was not the best. Um, defense did a lot of its job and you hope that it doesn't regress this year and you hope that the offense can take a leap and the offense is going to be very compelling because you've got Clemson transfer and former five-star quarterback DJ Uwe Angulale taking over at the quarterback position and we've seen him struggle we saw his struggles at Clemson and you hope he's able to figure it out. And I think if you're an Oregon State fan, you hope that he is able to figure it out, that he's had a lot of experience at a Power 5 program and is able to take Oregon State up a notch and give them a really good offense that can go with a really good defense. Now, one thing that's going to hurt the defense is you lose a couple linebackers at Omar Spates, who's gone elsewhere, Kyrie Fisher-Morris, Jaden Grant, and Alex Austin and Rajon Wright, a couple of those guys are head off to the pros. So Oregon State's got some pieces to replace on that defense, and if they can find some pieces to replace them, they're not going to regress on defense. But if they struggle to find some guys to replace that production, then it might hurt, and you might need the offense to do a little bit more. Uh one thing that is a positive is that Oregon State has improved in Jonathan Smith's four of four of his five seasons. They've steadily improved each and every year. And so you hope that whatever year that was that they didn't improve, that it's not going to, that that's the outlier and that they're going to continue to go on that trajectory and they improve in this upcoming season. But again, it's going to need the offense to really produce. It's going to need DJ to really get his act together as a quarterback and take this program off and to new heights and see if they can replicate a season they had last year, maybe even a little bit better and be a, a surprise team to really contend in the Pac-12. Um, but the schedule, pretty pretty manageable for Oregon State. 
the non-conference slate, pretty good. They don't have USC. They do have Utah, UCLA, and Washington, but they are all home games. Um, and that sets up Oregon State, I think, pretty well. They're only underdogs in about two of their first 11 games uh, and slight ones uh, at that. So Oregon State, they have a chance here to really build off on a good 2022 season and have good 2023. So we'll see what happens with the Beavers up in Corvallis, Oregon. Now let's talk about some of the teams that are going to be the teams to watch in this conference. Um, And let's go not too far from Oregon State, and let's go start off at Oregon and talk about the Oregon Ducks. Of course, last year you had Danning, Dan Lanning coming over from uh, Georgia, from the D.C., taking over the job. And he had Bo Nix, another guy coming from the SEC at Auburn, come over to Oregon. And he looked like a completely different guy than what we saw at Auburn. I mean, when we saw him at Auburn, a lot of times he was trying to make things happen. A lot of times it was hit or miss and didn't go his way. Ended up in turnovers or sacks that were completely avoidable. Last year was a completely different story where a lot of those times where you at at Auburn, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Last year, those were far and few between, and a lot of them turned into, oh, yes, 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 go out and make these types of plays. Last year, he only took five sacks, threw just seven interceptions. So he did a lot better last year than what he did throughout his three years at Auburn. And last year was really efficient, throwing for 3,500 yards, throwing over 3,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, and a 72 completion percentage. That is uh, really great, including... 510 not sack rushing yards uh, to go along with that. And that's one thing that uh, hurt Auburn is that a lot of those non sack yards turned into sack yards after him just running around all over the place, acting like it was back in the playground. No, but last year was really good. And you hope that he can take last year and replicate that this year. Because he's got a lot of good weapons coming back. Uh, guys that are sophomores, juniors, that have played a lot, uh, pretty much all over the place, whether it's in the running back room or wide receiver room or in the tight end room. Uh, running back room, they got three good running backs in Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, and Jordan James, who all three combined had over 2,000 rushing yards, well over – think from what I've read, like 2,300 or so. So there's a lot there. And they combined for 15 touchdowns as well. Irving's probably the better of the three, but it's it's a heavy backfield with a lot of guys that can come in and produce and make plays. So they got those three coming back at receiver. You got a couple of good juniors coming back and Troy Franklin, who had a really good breakout season last year for 891 yards and nine touchdowns. And you got Chris Hudson, who came, who's back as well after a really good season last year as well. And then you added a lot of transfer receivers, including Tez Johnson from Troy, Gary Bryant from USC, and Treshawn Holden from Alabama. So there's a lot of influx of talent coming from the portal 
into that wide receiver room to really just build on the depth and talent there at that position. And also at tight end, you got Terrence Ferguson, who has really good upside as a all-pack 12 type of player after catching 32 passes last year and five touchdowns. See if he can build on that. Thing to keep an eye on, though, for the Ducks is the offensive line. Four offensive linemen are gone, so you're going to have a lot of backups and a couple transfers from me that are coming in and trying to mesh and form this offensive line that's going to be blocking and trying to attempt to spring holes open for a lot of players on this offense. Looking at some of the backups, you got Stephen Jones, Jackson Powers Johnson. There are going to be a couple guys that are going to be on the interior along with Texas transfer junior Angelao. It's going to be a rough time with the names, everybody. There's a lot of names on here, particularly at Washington and Utah, where the names are going to be difficult. And I'm going to try my best, but if I butcher some of them, it's going to have to be that way. Uh, but the interior, he's going to be joining them at one of the guard spots. You got a former star recruit and Josh Connerly that's going to be taking over at left tackle. And then Johnny Cornelius, who is a Rhode Island transfer, could have gone to any team in the country, decided to come to Oregon. Presumably, he's going to be taking over the right tackle spot, 6'5", 310 pounds. So he's going to be coming in, and that's going to be your offensive line. And if the offensive line can gel quickly, then that can really help out this Oregon offense. And you also have don't have Kenny Dillingham anymore to be the offensive coordinator. So you have to wonder if that's going to be a challenge or not. Well, this Oregon offense, there's a lot to like about it. A lot's coming back, and Bo Nix is at the center of it. And he can make plays in the passing game or in the running game uh, if he's able to not take any sacks like he did last year. Defense. There's a there's a couple questions about this defense as well. I feel like there's not as much about this one. Uh, and maybe Washington as well. Maybe Utah, you know even though they are losing a lot of key pieces on, on all those teams on this defense, but there's a lot to like about what's coming back and what's coming into the program. Last year, they were, weren't able to get a solid pass rush. They weren't able to get any stops on third down, had a couple meltdowns. And so you hope that the guys that are coming in, guys coming back are able to fix those and get those right this year. What's good about for Oregon's defense is – you have a lot of players who saw 200-plus snaps last year coming back this year. So that could be a really good help for Oregon's defense and getting a lot of that experience coming back. Now, as far as transfers, they brought in on the defensive side. They went in and added South Carolina defensive end Jordan Birch. Iowa linebacker Justin Jacobs, who wasn't as healthy last year. Maybe he can stay healthy this year. You had a Colorado cornerback, Nico Reed, Ole Miss nickelback, Tysheem Johnson, and Fresno State safety, Evan Williams to go alongside Kyrie Jackson from Alabama. And plus, you got some freshmen coming in that are probably going to be seeing a lot of playing time. Oregon's been actually pretty sneakily good at recruiting, and they've got a lot of good classes that they've had over the last several seasons. And last year was no exception. So I expect to see some of those freshmen to play this year on that side of the ball. Obviously, they do need somebody to replace first-round pick Christian John Christian Gonzalez at the cornerback spot. 
So maybe it can be Trequeze Bridges, who is back last year after having three picks at one, at one corner spot, making almost 50 tackles last year. So maybe he can be one of those guys that can come in with some of those guys that they got in the secondary and the transfer portal that can help replace the production there. On the front line, sides Birch, who's going to take one spot. You got uh, all Pac-12 performer and Brandon Doorless on the other side, so that can be a really big help. And you got a couple big defensive tackles that are, are going to hold their own alongside Casey Rogers, who is a veteran up front. So this Oregon team is bringing back a lot. Um, one piece, again, that they're not bringing back is Noah Sewell. So they're losing Sewell and Gonzalez on that defense. You hope Jeffrey Bassa, who is going to be on the inside, and Mace Fun, who's going to be on the outside, along with just Jacobs, are able to take over that linebacking position and are able to go out there and make plays at those linebacker spots. So Oregon, I think there's a really good they're, – they're one of the top teams in this conference. Them, Washington, Utah, USC, I think are the top four. We'll get to Washington here in a minute. But Oregon has a really good chance to finish atop this conference with a, what all they're bringing back. And Nix is one of those quarterbacks that they're bringing back that was one of the top guys in QBR last year. So Oregon, there's a lot to be excited about. The offense looks like it's going to be stacked again. It's just that the defense can get some pass rush, get some third down stops here and there. That can really help out and get the offense back on the field a little bit quicker. A good pass rush could help force turnovers and third down stops could get the offensive ball back. So we'll have to see about Oregon's defense, but this team is going to be an exciting watch next year. Let's talk about Washington real quick. Obviously, last year, kind of the same deal as Oregon. New coach, new quarterback. They had Kalen DeBoer, who come who came in from Fresno State and did what he did at all the stops and just win. <laughs> and win early. Last year, they finished 11-2, and you had Michael Penix Jr., who came in from Indiana last year and just had a transformative season, throwing for 4,641 yards and 31 touchdowns. And it was a really big get to have him come back this year. And is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in this conference and in the country in 2023. One thing that's going to help Penix Jr. is his five leading receivers return. Got to be happy about that. Uh, led by a pair of 1,000-yard receivers and guys that are probably going to be playing on Sundays next year. And, and Jalen McMillan who led the team last year with 79 catches and nine touchdowns. And Rome Odunzi, who caught a, over 1,100 yards with, with 75 catches. And they got a couple other guys back there as well. So you, you got a couple star receivers that are going to be causing nightmares for an offense that was already causing nightmares last year. And so – if you're watching, you got to feel good about that. You got all, all this returning production on the offense coming back after just exploding on that side of the ball last year. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be really good this year. Uh, of course, a lot of it's going to be determined by the offensive line. A, a couple big time pieces from the offensive line a year ago are coming back after last year. They were number one in the country in tackles for loss allowed and second in sacks allowed. And so, anytime you got that type of production coming back, 
that can be a really big help. You do lose three interior linemen, but you got a couple really good offensive tackles and Troy Faltano and Roger Rosengarden that are going to be manning both the tackle spots. So you got to feel good about that. If you got a couple good booking tackles that are going to be protecting your star quarterback. So you got to feel good about that. And the running game, let's be real, probably not too much for a running game here. It seems like last year, Washington, it was just pass, pass, and pass again. But one thing that can help is a guy in the backfield that can make plays in the running game. And they got a guy from the transfer, transfer portal that can do that in Mississippi State running back, former Mississippi State running back, Dylan Johnson. So he can make plays in the passing game as well as in the running game. But it does seem like this offense is going to be passing a whole lot this year. And wouldn't I be surprised if Penix Jr. put up similar stats they had last year, this year. Granted, he stays healthy. Uh, That was an issue at his time in Indiana. Fortunately, he was able to play a lot last year. And you hope that stays the case. Uh, Particularly if you're a Washington fan, you hope that stays the same this year. Um, On the defensive side, let's go over to that side of the ball. They did a good job at not allowing big plays to happen all that much. There were some times where, like, there were some busted coverages and all that stuff that happened, and, you know, you had big plays happen. But not as aggressive as you, I think you would like, and you hope the guys, and they have a lot of guys coming back on this side of the ball that are really good, really talented, but you hope they're more aggressive this year than they were last year. Finishing 98th and pass rush success rate, 115th and turnover rate, and in tackles for loss, passes defended, forced fumbles. Uh, they were not that great in those stats at, at all either. So you hope that changes over from this year to from last year to this year and get a defense that's able to go out and just ball out and make plays. Because this front seven is a really strong unit. They got a lot of guys up front coming back and Five, oh, oh man, <laughs> I told you guys it's going to be rough because a lot of these guys have names that are they're going to be difficult to pronounce, but they got a really good set of defensive tackles up front that can take up space. I think the the big thing to note is they got a really good set of pass rushers and Braylon Trice and Zion Tupuloa Fatui that are NFL level edge rushers that are back this year and are going to help make life easier for that front seven and for the secondary that needs to make more big plays. And again, it's a reoccurring thing. Good pass rush can help a good secondary. And if you got two guys that are NFL level good, then that can really help out the secondary. And they need to be thankful for that um, as well. Linebackers, Edufan Ulu Foshio is back at linebacker. Missed a lot of last year. And he looks to be able to take over the middle along with a couple linebackers in the system. Alfonso Tui Tuala. This is going to be a recurring theme um, this episode. But uh, he's back as well in this 4-2-5 defense. You got Raylan Goforth from USC coming in at linebacker as well. And so... Those linebackers, they should be able to run free. If you got guys up front that are able to take up space and 
get those guys to fill in the gaps and be able to go and be sideline to sideline linebackers, that should really help out that group. But if this defense can get its act together, be able to make plays, be able to be more aggressive than they were a year ago, that can really be a big help for Washington and being able to get that explosive offense the ball a little bit more. Because isn't that what you want, to get your offense the ball more? So if the defense is able to get more aggressive and be able to play make a little bit more, then that's what you can do, and you can get more points up on the board. But I think one thing to think about is if you are scoring that many points, you are going to have teams that are constantly going to try to air it out and trying to bomb you deep and just try to match you score for score. So that's one thing the secondary is going to have to watch. Maybe the pass rush can help out with that. But if they're able to make plays, they can get that offensive ball back and they can make sure like, hey, you all can throw on us every play. You're not going to be able to catch up with us. So maybe that's what Washington needs to hope for. Now let's talk about probably the most intriguing team in this conference, and that is Colorado. Of course, the big-time story there with Deion Sanders, primetime himself, coming to the Power Five and coaching Colorado here in the Pac-12. And the main question is, these transfers, how how quickly can they adjust and gel together because it's a lot of turnover from the roster a year ago to this roster. And I believe there's over 50 transfers I read. Maybe the math is a little bit wrong on that. Maybe it's a little bit more. But anyway, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. And there's a lot coming in. A lot of good talent coming in, but it's a lot of talent that needs to quickly adjust and get themselves ready. Shadur Sanders, Deion Sun is going to be leading the team at quarterback who was really good at Jackson State a year ago. He's going to be leading a fast-paced offense where you have a guy like Travis Hunter that's going to be playing at wide receiver some, as well as being a big-time player in the secondary, a big-time star back there. He's going to be playing both ways. So you're going to have him in there being an explosive threat as well as Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr., that's right, Jimmy Horn's son. If you, that name sounds familiar, he's coming in from U, uh, USF. So you got those guys coming in, and you got a couple good running backs coming in, and Cavassier Smoke from Kentucky, and Alton McCaskill the fourth from Houston, as well as a four-star running back in Dylan Edwards that has some big-time speed and playmaking ability. So there's a lot of talent, a lot of explosiveness on this Colorado offense. And again, it's going to be the question of if they can all gel together. Uh, up front, the Buffs returned three starters and also six transfers who were starters from lower levels. If they are if they're able to gel quickly, that can mean good things for this offense, good things for Sanders, and being able to have time to go out and throw the ball to these explosive playmakers, that can be a really good thing. Um, the offense last year was pretty much awful as well as the defense. And we'll get to the defense a bit. But uh, both sides of the ball were awful for the Buffaloes. Um, they, they just were not great. Um, so if you're able to get all that experience together, even though they are from lower levels, you can get that to come together. That can be really good in getting this offense up and running and be drastically different than it was a year ago. Going to the defense. Did I mention it was awful? Cave up. <laughs> Almost 45 points per game. That's not great. 
Um, Charles Kelly, who has spent a lot of time at Bama in recent years, is the new defensive coordinator there. So he's going to have his work cut out for him and trying to get things ready there. Uh, Travis Hunter, again, is going to be playing both ways. So he'll be joining top 23 corner in that class of another five-star as well, and Cormani McClain in that secondary. And joining them is going to be one of the better guys on this team to return and safety Trevor Woods. So you got those guys coming back there. But again, this defense is, will lean on several transfers, including guys like defense lineman Shane Cox from Dart and Dartmouth, edge rushers and Jordan Dominic from Arkansas and Jeremiah Brown from Jackson State. And you got a linebacker from Clemson as well and Levanta Bentley and some secondary players and Cameron Sil- Silman Craig from Jackson State. A lot of Jackson State guys coming over and Miles Slusher from Arkansas. So there's a lot of power five guys that have played in the SEC and the ACC played some big-time football in those conferences that are coming over. It's just going to be a matter of, of if each side of the ball is going to be good, they can gel quickly. Then the season will be interesting to see how Colorado performs. But it's going to be a lot to overcome. But let's be real. I don't think they can be as bad as they were last year. Last year, they were awful. Offense stunk. Defense stunk. They can't be that bad again this year. But I am curious to see how many games that they'll be able to win. Um, actually, I'm curious about what their schedule is. As uh, Let me take a look at it because I – don't know what their schedule is, but I assume they're going to have a lot of these top teams that we're, we're going to be talking about in, uh, in in this upcoming season. So let's take a look at their schedule. Uh, starts off, oh man, yeah, it's a uh, it's going to be kind of a rough start. They open the season at TCU, then they got a home game at Nebraska, a home game against Colorado State, then they go on the road to Oregon, have USC at home. Go on the road to Arizona State, have Stanford at home. That could be a win. Go on the road to UCLA, have Oregon State come there, Arizona come there, Washington State uh, is a road game, and Utah. Uh, Might be a little bit rough when you got road games at TCU and at UCLA, at Utah, at Oregon. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough. Um, but I think Colorado State probably should be a win there. Stanford probably should be a win. Um, you know, it. I don't know. It's going to be tough. They, they got to find some of these games to win uh, next year for sure. So uh, I'm really compelled to what primetime is going to do in his first year at uh, as Colorado's head coach. So should be a compelling watch to see what happens. Maybe they can get a surprise win or two. Uh, but we shall see here in a few weeks. So moving on from Colorado, let's talk about some of these other teams like UCLA, who Colorado is going to play and talk about them. Last year was pretty solid year for UCLA. Had a really good start, kind of stumbled a little bit. And here they are in 2023 in which it could be a really big year for Chip Kelly and the Bruins could be an inflection point for both of them because a lot of guys from a year ago, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Zach Charbonnet, Jake Bobo, Kazmir Allen, a couple all conference guards and John Gaines and Antonio Maffi. They're all gone. 
So you're going to have to find somebody to replace their production. And starting at quarterback, reading about this quarterback battle, I don't know if a starter's been announced, but there are three guys that are up for this job that that all could bring a couple different things to the table. Um, Colin Setchley from Kent State is a veteran quarterback, got a high floor, can be a potential really good fit in this offense and being able to run himself a little bit. Ethan Garbers is a guy that's been in the UCLA system the longest. So he's got experience in knowing the system, knowing the play calls and getting everybody set up. And then you got a five-star quarterback in Dante Moore from Detroit, who's a really big get that offers a lot of big time playmaking ability and a guy that could be potentially be a star quarterback that can elevate this team. Uh, more than the other two guys can. So there's a lot of different options here for Chip Kelly to go with. Uh, don't know if he's announced a starter yet, but there's a, some options there that they can go with that offer a lot of different things. And uh, could be at the five-star freshman or could be the guys that offer the, the most experience. But uh, we will have to see. And if it's Dante Moore, there's going to be a lot of expectations placed on him right away, being a five-star quarterback. Uh, it's been a while since I, I think UCLA's gotten that level guy since Josh Rosen all the, all these years ago. So uh, we'll see if that happens. But they got a lot of options there at that position. As far as other places on this offense, it's probably going to, a lot of that production is going to be replaced by some transfers. At running back, you got Carson Steele from Ball State that ran for over 1,500 yards. Coming in there, that looks like he's going to be bell cow back there, although T.J. Harden, who's a young running back, averaged over 70 yards per carry. So he's going to get a little bit of run. But anytime you get a 1,500-yard rusher coming into your offense, you'd love to have that. And you also get a couple really good wide receivers, wide receivers including a couple in the conference in – J. Michael Sturdivant from Cal and Kyle Ford from USC, so right down the road. And then you get a tight end at Maliki Monteveo from Oregon as well. So they got a lot of different transfers, a lot of guys from this conference that are going to be getting some big-time you know, snaps in this offense and trying to replace the production that they lost from a year ago. On the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be tough up front. They got a big-time tackle, 330-pound defense tackle, and Jay Toia, and I got a couple linebackers as well up front with Darius Massal. <laughs> Again, if I butcher these names, guys, <laughs> it's it's like what Peter said. 50% of the time, we get stuff right. So th- this is probably going to be one of those pods. It's fitting here on the 300th, but – He's coming back with a lot of tackles, a lot of experience on that side of the ball with three years at Hawaii and one season with the Bruins. He's got a couple big-time pass rushers around him and Latao Lat- and Grayson and Gabriel Murphy as the edge rushers. So Chip Kelly has a couple edge guys to work with on that defense. And in the secondary – 
you got a couple corners as well and Cody Bryant Strother and John John Vaughns that are will combine for at least 75 stops at one outside spot for one of the corners. So there's a, a lot of talent coming back to this defense. It's just a matter of like a lot of teams in this conference, are they able to make the plays and get stops and get turnovers and all that stuff, get after the quarterback. Um, so UCLA could be a big year for them. Uh, as a team on the outside looking in, potentially the top you know, four teams of USC, Utah, Washington, Oregon, they are potentially on the outside looking in. And I think a lot of it depends on who they find at that quarterback spot and who's able to take the reins on that job. So let's talk about these last two teams here to wrap us up. Let's go to Utah first and talk about the two-time defending Pac-12 Conference champions. One big thing about them is Cameron Rising decided to come back for another year. Did have an ACL injury in the Rose Bowl. You hope that he's 100% fully healthy, ready to go. They got a big test against Florida coming to town in week one. So I got to be ready for that. You got a really good wide receiver and Devon Vile, who led the wide receivers and receptions. You got Money Parks, who is a big time threat as well in that in that group that averaged 16 yards per catch last year, and he's coming off the injury. So I hope he's back healthy as well. Did lose Dalton Kincaid at tight end, but good thing back you got Brandon. Uh, you got Brant Huithi coming back at tight end who led the team in receptions in 2021. So he is back. You bring his veteran experience back. That can really help. The offensive line looks like it's going to be strong again, despite losing Daniels, the left tackle, to the NFL. And you're bringing back a lot of big, strong guys on this Utah team. And it looks like it could be a team that's going to be the opposite of what you you think Washington's going to do. A team that's going to run the ball and have a strong physical run game because they're bringing back a couple guys and Jaquindon Jackson, who averaged nearly seven yards per carry last year with nine touchdowns, along with a veteran in Micah Bernard who averaged over five yards per carry with over a thousand yards on the ground over the last two seasons. Both those guys are back. So that should probably be the MO for this Utah offense is run the ball and pass when they have to. And Kuithi, again, is going to be a big-time get for him to come back in this offense. And, you know, Utah, they it always seems like they're, and they have a really good, strong offensive line, and this year is not going to be the exception. It seems like a lot of that is coming back as well. And it's just going to be built on this running game. And, you know, presumably we, we see a run game can help out with the passing game. And if you can marry that, then that can really help out Cameron Rising and uh, get this Utah offense going. Uh, defense, despite losing a couple big-time players, uh, Mohamed Diabati and Clark Phillips at corner, the defense returns nearly everybody back from a year ago. So that's got to be good news if you're a Utah Utes fan. Led up front by Junior Tafuna. And plus, you got a couple young guys that are mixing there as well. And Samote Peppa at defensive tackle, who's a sophomore, got a lot of time last year at a couple other spots. At linebacker, you got 
Kareen Reed, who's a, a really good linebacker who can hit people really hard and you got and you can also rush the passer a little bit in a little bit of a hybrid role. And Lander Barton could be a guy that can take over for Diabate and be just a guy that just fills up the stat sheet uh, and take over for that defense in the middle. Secondary, despite losing Clark Phillips, it looks really strong. You got Cole Bishop, who's who's got all Pac-12 potential, leading the way back there. You got Tra- Tra- Travis Broughton coming back, and you got Zamiya Vaughn, two veterans at corner. You got a Nickelback and Sion Vakai, and an Ole Miss transfer and Miles Battle coming in and bolstering that secondary. That looks just like it's going to be a top-notch secondary in this conference, and that can really help when there's a lot of big-time playmakers at receiver coming back. So if you got a strong veteran secondary led by a lot of really talented guys, that can really help out your defense. Um, and, you know, you lose a guy like Clark Phillips, who is one of the best guys on Utah's defense in the last several seasons at corner, it's going to hurt. But if you got some guys like that that are ready to step in, that that should be that should speak to you and your program and your how they've been able to develop and how you've been able to develop them as good players. So Utah, it looks like it's going to be a really strong physical team, and you you do have to wonder if there's going to be a three-peat in their future as far as winning the title again for a third straight year. It is going to be tough because you, you again you got USC. Washington and Oregon that are all vying for that top spot as well. And with the Pac-12, at least in this final year, it seems like at the conference, you don't have divisions. So it's going to be the top two teams. So all Utah need to do is get into one of those top two spots and they can play and be in the title game. But they're going to have to face a lot of these tough teams coming back in the Pac-12. Um, so if they're able to get that running game going, can find some guys in the passing game that they can throw it to. Cameron Rising comes back from his ACL injury. And that defense that brings a lot of people back from a year ago can pick up where they left off a year ago. And then Utah definitely has a shot to be able to bring another Pac-12 title home. And what may be the final Pac-12 title uh, forever. <laughs> We're being completely real here. And then finally, let's talk about the USC Trojans and probably darlings of this league. There's a lot to like about what this team is bringing in and what they have coming back. But I think the only way they can win the Pac-12 title and make the CFP in the final year, I mean, this is about as good as years the Pac-12 has with some quarterback questions around the country is that the defense can get its act together. USC has a shot to win the Pac-12, get into the CFP, and potentially win the CFP. But it all hinges on the defense. And that's kind of been the story with Lincoln Riley. And, and doing some prep for this preview, I, I believe I was on ESPNs and looking at what they had for USC. And they had the number of points opponents have scored on Lincoln Riley's defenses and his 13 losses as a head coach. These numbers were actually crazy to kind of read. There's, you know, there's honestly one outlier where it's like 27, but that's it. 
there's like a, a couple 38s you got a couple 37s you got some in the 40s you got one in the 50s at 54 and then you got one at 63 and you're just like i think if you look at the 27 if you if, i think if you look at that if you're lincoln riley's like I think that's probably the benchmark because I you know what you're going to get out of your offense. We know what you have coming in. Because you got a, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner coming back in Caleb Williams. And you got a lot of talented players on this offense that are going to be playing in Lincoln Riley's explosive offense. It's just a matter of if the defense is able to get stops. This is the prime example I think of the whole this whole Pac-12 thing that we kind of talked about with the defenses. They're the prime example. If they're able to get stops, they are able to find a way to not not have these teams just score bunches of points against them. Then they have a shot to to win this conference and go to the CFP and eventually win the whole thing. And again, it's all Due to the fact, you know, you got Caleb Williams coming back. You know what you're going to get out of him. He had over 4,500 passing yards last year and 42 touchdowns. And as a guy that is going to be the presumptive number one overall pick and a guy that's drawn some Mahomes comps in a couple different ways. You know, I don't know if anybody can truly be Patrick Mahomes, but he's one of the guys that offers some comps of like, no, I can kind of see it a little bit. And he just comes in last year after transferring from Oklahoma, just took things over um, in Lincoln Riley's offense. You have no Jordan Addison anymore. He's now off to the pros. But they brought in a lot of freaking talent on this offense, <laughs> whether it's transfer portal or whether it's recruiting. They also hit the portal really hard and getting a couple receivers like a Dorian Singer from Arizona that was really good for the Wildcats last year. And he joins a group of wide receivers that Caleb Williams is going to be returning to, uh, throwing to, that is a really experienced group. Four of last year's returning six starters are back. You got veterans like Taj Washington, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, and Michael Jackson. They're going to be coming back. Then also, not to mention, you got a couple five five star recruits and a couple high four stars and Zachariah Branch, who's a really explosive five star receiver, and Makai Lemon, and then you got a five star tight end who, I believe, was he drafted here in the baseball draft or had the potential to be drafted for baseball, and Deuce Robinson. So Caleb Williams is not going to have any shortage of playmakers to throw to <laughs> in Lincoln Riley's offense. As far as the running game, Travis Dye is gone, but you have Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina coming in, along with Austin Jones. That should be a pretty good one-two punch. Offensive line, you got some guys to replace. Jarrett Kingston from Washington State, Emmanuel Pregnon from Wyoming are coming in at guards, and Michael Tarquin from Florida is going to be manning left tackle and that's going to be huge because left tackle again is a is a premium position in college football, NFL, whatever. And he's playing in a poor position because he's protecting Caleb Williams' blind side. So he's going to have his work cut out for him. 
curious how much the running game is going to play a factor here because Caleb does a lot of stuff on the run and improvise. But you hope not as much this year. Keep him healthy because he is your best hope for title, even though you got a five-star quarterback waiting in the wings and Malachi Nelson that's going to be taking over and running this offense and probably doing amazing things in this offense as well uh, in 2024. But that's another year away. On defense, again, stress this a lot, defense has to be able to do better this year. And and they should. I mean, I'm looking at what they have coming in this year on defense. There's more talent and a lot more experience on this defense than there was in 2022. Of uh, The guys last year that played 200-plus snaps, 14 of them returned out of 19. So you got a lot of guys that got some experience last year. You got some blue chip transfers like Bear Alexander from Georgia, Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M that were highly recruited guys coming out of high school. And then you got a sure tackling Oklahoma State linebacker veteran in Mason Cobb that can really help out with the linebacking room and team up with Eric Gentry, who's a really good linebacker in this USC defense, who had 71 tackles last year at the position. And then you got a secondary back there that's led by Kalen Bullock and Max Williams and Sierra Wright as well. That is that are going to be led by those guys that offer a lot of experience, a lot of upside. So you're going to be counting on a lot of these guys that are that have been the program the last year or two that have been brought in via transfer portal that are blue chip guys to come in and make sure that Alex Grinch's defense is legit and can be great this year and get USC to potentially get to the title game. Because, again, we know what Caleb Williams can do. We know how well Lincoln Riley can coach an offense. Just a matter of that defense. If it's able to get its act together, then USC fans, they're going to be in for a good season. And hopefully not lose a bowl game to Tulane. <laughs> Even though Tulane last year, I mean, shout out to them. They were awesome last year. Um, so, if USC is able to figure out its defense problem, and again, if it's able to, like, going over those points that Lincoln Riley's defense have allowed in his 13 losses, if it's able to get to somewhere like 27, 24, I kind of almost take a look at it as a Tennessee type of situation. Like, Ryan, of course you are. But I kind of look at it like that. If you're able to have your defense allow, like, that many points, but you know what you're going to get off your offense and that they can score bunches. Then I think 27, 24 around that area, I think that's good enough. I think that's the benchmark. And you're like, I can sleep on that as long as I get a couple takeaways. Can, it can generate a lot of pressure, get a lot of sacks. Like, listen, we'll know we'll give up some points, but we got the ultimate equalizer that can help out with that and the reigning Heisman quarterback, a reigning Heisman winner at quarterback. I mean, if all this happens, USC is going to be one of the top teams in the country. So we'll have to see. But this Pac-12 season should be a lot of fun and what should be its last hurrah. So it'll give us a lot of good games and a lot of good Pac-12 after dark games. So let's hope for that. So everybody, I think that's it for the Pac-12. And that's it for the Power 5 conferences, everybody. Uh, Next week, we will go to 
the group of five teams, some of the top teams in the group of five and talk about them like Notre Dame. We'll talk about them as well next week. And that will be it as far as previews. And then we will make full-time predictions for the season. Technically the season starts next week with week zero, but you know, I always consider week one to be the official start, but, uh, Nonetheless, it's getting started here in the next week or two. And I'm really excited for that uh, with all these games coming up. And Saturday's going to be a lot more fun here in the next couple of weeks. And then with the NFL, I believe next week we got the AFC West. So if you're a Dolphins fan, Bills fan, Jets fan, or Patriots fan, come on over next week and we'll talk about your favorite teams and where they are in the AFC East that's gotten really compelling now, uh, especially here recently with the Jets adding Dalvin Cook to a really good roster already. Um, So stick around for that next week. And I believe that'll be episode 301. So uh, that'll be uh, really kind of the start of the journey into the 300. So stick around for that next week. As always, check us out where you guys get your podcasts, subscribe, give us a rating, review, all that good stuff. Find the entertainment from the Five Center Three channel as well. Who knows if I I I'm kind of, I am wanting to do something on Blue Beetle considering it's coming out. And in fact, the time I'm taping this pod on Thursday, I'm only a few hours out from seeing it. So uh, maybe try to see if I can get something together for uh, that. But you can find us on those plat- podcast platforms. Find the YouTube channel at Five Center Three Podcast. Go subscribe there upvote the videos, leave a like, uh, share with your friends, subscribe, all that good YouTube stuff. And on Twitter or X, or I don't even care what it's called now. I don't, I don't know. Um, be sure to go check out the pod account at 573pods and check out my personal Twitter at RyanViews573. But everybody, I think that's all I have for you all today. So that'll put a bow on this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It always means a great deal, whether it's a few moments out of your day or at the whole with the whole pod, to take some time and hang out with this podcast and listen and see what we got going up on this pod. So have a good rest of your day, everybody. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you all next time.